Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Gail. Hi, I'm Catherine. And we are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website, womenover70.com, where you can access all the episodes. We also invite you to join our monthly podcast club. And we welcome speaking to your organization or group on Aging Reimagined. If women aging is a market you would like to reach, consider sponsoring an episode. And finally, if you are an author with a book about women, check out our book promotion opportunity. And today we are so excited to welcome Mary Kemmer to our Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined. Hi, Mary. Hello there, Gail. Hello, Catherine. So, yeah, Mary Kemmer is 76. She was referred to us by Nancy Hunter, whose episode is 123. She was born in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, lived in Chicago for almost 20 years, and currently lives in Arlington, Virginia. Mary's professional background spanned 30 years in human resource senior management positions with a focus on leadership development and executive coaching. She worked for International Harvester, Pillsbury, the First National Bank of Chicago, Marriott International, Baker Tilly, and most recently as an organizational consultant. A woman of purpose and learning, Mary currently serves on two advisory boards at Georgetown University Medical Center. The Doctors Speak Out program, which provides community education and partners in research, the philanthropic arm, which supports medical research grants. She is also enrolled in her fifth semester at Georgetown's Mini Medical School. Four years ago, Mary created the Art of Aging Discussion Group for individuals 70 years and up. The purpose was to explore the existential aspects of aging and maintain a high-quality life throughout the aging process. Looking forward to re-entering the world after the COVID-19 pandemic and moving away from the all-day Zoom life, Mary enjoys entertaining, travel, and participating in multiple book clubs. So, Mary, you've had a very interesting career. I'm going to be uh, so interested in hearing about your uh, mini medical school. And yeah, yeah. yeah. But start, start, let's start here. Start by telling us about your early career and why you chose human resource development. Well, um, actually, I didn't choose it. It chose me, but it's a story. Um, When I was uh, in college, it was either nurse or teacher. Those were your options. I don't know if you remember those days. Oh, yeah. But that was in the 1960s. And I had a degree in special education with a minor in psychology. And I really didn't want to teach. After going through student teaching that semester, I decided that that was not for me. Um, And then I got pregnant with my second child. And in 1974, women started having opportunities in business. I mean, EEOC, um, affirmative action, 
women were entering the workforce and they were entering the world of business as well. So I applied for any position that wasn't secretarial because I wanted to have, um, because I didn't have secretarial skills. <laughs> I really did not know shorthand. I was a pretty good typist, but whatever. Um, the first position that I, uh, that I applied for and was rejected was as a pharmaceutical representative. And they would have trained me in this, in this field, but I lost out uh, to a man because he had a family to support. And crazy, but they actually told me that that was the deciding factor. It was like, Mary, we like you as a candidate, but however. Um, but I finally landed a position with a gear manufacturing company and customer service. And uh, after a couple of years there, I drew a circumference five miles around my house because I wanted to be close to my children and I didn't want to have to commute into Chicago. Um, I had a number of positions, uh, well, I found Westcom, which was a, at that time a telecommunications uh, manufacturer, and um, they had a problem. Well, they, they made chips. They were chip makers, and we were astounded at the small size of those chips, which by today's standard would be like a big earring. <laughs> um, so anyway, my, my, husband, my husband at the time said to me, Westcom is trying to fight off and stave off union representation in one of their plants. Why don't you write a letter to the president, who is Mr. Penny, and tell him that you would like to be an ombudsman and help with this issue? I can't believe how ballsy I was. Honest to God, I can't believe I did this. I wrote a letter. I interviewed with him. I convinced him that I was the man for the job. And... Um, I volunteered and I went on the plant floor. I talked to all the employees. I collected all of their grievances. I put together a proposal for Mr. Penny and his executive team on remedies and uh, the union. The union was voted down. And a humorous aside to this was that the union contacted me and wanted to employ me. Did you go to them or no? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I did not. Uh -huh. But anyway, that's how I got into human resources because after that project, um, I was, you know, I finished the project. It was in Gardner, Illinois, if you know where that is. Um, and he put me into the HR department because he didn't know where else to put me. So it was rather serendipitous that I got into human resources. Mm -hmm. And did that feel like a good fit to you once you were in it? Well, uh, <laughs> Because I, I didn't have a lot of skills in the business world, I thought this is a place to start. And uh, I was involved with recruiting, hiring, writing job descriptions. It was it was relatively um, it was relatively boring, um, but I did get I did gain some skills and add some credentials for my resume. I then went to um, Pillsbury, and I was their operations personnel manager and. Honestly, I don't know how they how I talked myself into that because I really didn't have all the requisite skills, but I did have an assistant who was very very talented. Hello. Hello. Okay, I thought I lost you. So anyway, I worked for Pillsbury for a couple of years, and then I went to International Harvester as their director of personnel at the world headquarters office, and then on to Marriott. I mean, I've had a long career. And as my ex-husband used to say, it's September, 
and it's been two years, it's time for Mary to make a move. So I did. I had a lot of exciting opportunities and uh, very grateful for the career that I've had. I think you met Nancy Hunter at First National, didn't you? I did. I did. We worked together. And uh, that was during um, when the bank was reorganizing and they were downsizing and Nancy managed the outplacement center. And I was at that time working part-time and I joined her staff. And we have been close friends ever since. So it's 30 plus years with Nancy. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. You, um, so, you know, you, there's a lot about medical in your, uh, in, in the introduction we, we just gave. And so I'm wondering, did you have a chance to work with medical, uh, medical centers, med- doctors? Uh, <laughs> you got into that area. No, 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 I never did. I never did. Um, this is another story of serendipity. Um, I, when I was working for Baker Tilly, there was a colleague who was involved with Georgetown. Uh, There's a, a, a annual uh, fundraiser for breast cancer. And she was very active in that. And she was familiar with this Doctor Speak Out program. So she gave me an invitation to attend. I attended one and then I attended a second one. And they were quarterly meetings and they were a panel of doctors who had expertise in areas that were of interest to the community. And um, I really, I really, I just thought they were so professionally run and, and the panels were so, they were excellent. Anyway, um, leaving the second meeting, I approached someone, I didn't know who this person was, who had been a greeter, ended up being director of marketing for the program. And I said to her, I'm looking for a volunteer opportunity. I do not have any med- medical background, not at all but I would love to you know, help you in your organization because it's just such a fine professional. And, and the, you know, the, the, the purpose to educate the community because um, the feeling is that we are all advocates for our own health. And the more that we know about health, the better we can take care of ourselves. So uh, she said, send me a resume. I said to her, I don't have a medical background, but I do have a business background and I have some business skills that you might be able to use. Well, she called me, we had lunch and she said, we're thinking of starting an advisory board. Would you like to be the first member? And I said, absolutely. So I had a wonder, I have had a wonderful experience with them. I'm still working for them. Um, And I do attend mini medical school and mini medical school is a fabulous program. It's taught by Georgetown professors in the medical program. And it tracks uh, the actual program that first-year medical students have. So every year we have one one evening in the cadaver lab. And uh, that's kind of an amazing experience. (laughs) But anyway, um, yes, I've been attending it for, this will be my fifth year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes me think about my daughter-in-law, who is a funeral director. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that, um, you know, a little promotional for hospitals, hospitals, teaching hospitals, um, they cannot purchase cadavers. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know this until I went to the cadaver lab, mm-hmm. but uh, they, you have to volunteer for it. And at Georgetown, 
these cadavers are treated so respectfully. First of all, their, their faces, their heads are covered throughout the whole year. And so are their, you know, their genitals are covered as well. And the young, the young students, you know, tell us, this is my textbook for the year. If I didn't have people volunteering to do this, I would have to do this on Zoom or, you know, on the internet or books or charts or whatever, but it's not the same experience. So it's very, very important that teaching hospitals have people volunteering to be cadavers. Mm -hmm. That's, That's my little marketing spiel for them. <laughs> Mary, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, again, in the mini medical schools. You, you're um, in your fifth semester. Well, can you oh, just continue to do year. my fifth year? A fifth year. Yes. Can you can just continue to do this forever? I mean, is there a there are there are people in the program that have been there for 10, 12 years. And it's a it's a broad audience of people. It's lawyers who want to know more about medical issues. It's uh, there are young people that come in that are contemplating medical school and they want to, you know, they, they spend a semester just to see, get a feel for it and a taste for it. But um, it's just a wonderful program. And yes, you, Catherine, you can, you can stay as long as you want. Yeah. My Pilates instructor went to, I think it may have been here, to, uh, or maybe not, but anyway, to, to uh, work with cadavers so that she could understand human anatomy more so that when she's teaching, you know, and working with people, she had a better sense of, of what she was actually doing with them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about this art of aging group that you that you began. What What is it exactly? Well, um, I retired from Baker Tilly when I was 72. And um, then I did, I started doing consulting. I do, I still do some consulting. I consulted for a, 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 um, a government contracting startup last year. Um, and, but anyway, when I was with Baker Tilly, the work that I did there was executive coaching and development. And I worked, I worked with um, a lot of females who wanted to be on the path to partner, but had families and were, um, you know, were conflicted because of their their responsibilities with family and home. And of course, living in this area, everything is a terrible, terrible long commute. So anyway, but I worked with uh, women to actually break the glass ceiling to, to become part-time partners, which was a first at Baker Tilly. Um, and so the work that I did really was working with individuals and helping them with their professional development it was a very intimate kind of work and a very satisfying. Um, Baker Tilly just said, you create this job. <laughs> I did, and it was wonderful. So I did a variety of things. But the part that I liked the most was coaching people individually and helping them with communications, helping them you know, figure out how to get promoted, how to, how to develop themselves in different areas, how to seek out mentors, all those kinds of things. So when I left Baker Tilly, Excuse me. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to start something where I would have similar kind of intimacy, rather than just you know, I don't know, cocktail chatter. And so I invited a couple of women in the building 
um, to join me. And after that, uh, husbands were interested and um, other people came. So we have like, we have eight people, four men, four women. I had never visualized that this would be, I thought it would be all women. And I was pleasantly surprised because the men do add a different point of view as, as far as aging is concerned. What are some of the, the things, um, what are some things you hear in that, in that group that stand out for you, Mary? Well, we've done a lot of different interest. We've had a lot of interesting topics. Um, you know, how can we have an am impact at this age? How can we impact the future? How, how do we continue to contribute to society? Um, how do we maintain computer literacy? That was a big topic. Um, and um, being elderly and the transitions or rituals, you know, we have rituals when, when we're young. We graduate from high school. We, you know, we start college. Uh, we get married. We have all sorts of things that happen to us in our early life. As elders, we don't really have rituals. So we had a full meeting on looking backward and forward and, and discussing about what kinds of rituals could we have in our later years. But the part of, the, and this is from a TED talk called the Rite, A Rite of Passage for Old Age. And um, Bob Stein, the, uh, the presenter, proposes a new tradition of giving away your things and sharing the stories behind you as you get older. And so we decided that we would have the next meeting. Uh, we would each bring an item that was precious or special to us and tell the story and the history behind it. And that was a fab fabulous meeting. Um, this one woman brought a ring that she had gotten from her aunt. She inherited it from her aunt. And she had had it in a box for 15 years. And this aunt was very precious to her. She, um, you know, she had been the favorite aunt, and she, she really took an interest in her. Um, and we, as a group, said, why don't you wear it? And she put it on, and she didn't take it off. And that was, that was a, a great result for that, that particular meeting. But, you know, the topics have been very varied. Um, in fact, I'm putting together um, an Art of Aging guide. And um, your listeners, I would like to uh, offer it up to your listeners. Um, I've set up a, um, um, a Gmail account, artofaging70 at Gmail. And I should have this completed probably in a couple of weeks. And if they're interested, I can send them a copy. That'd be fabulous. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the, it's a, a real. It's the background of how we started. It's the purpose, the goals that we had, um, the sample invitation, um, lots of TED Talk videos. The TED Talk videos are a wonderful way to start a group like this because they're fifteen minutes. And if you're meeting for an hour, you have a 15-minute intro to a concept, and then you have 45 minutes in which you discuss it. So if you're going to start one, um, I suggest that you look at the TED Talks. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yes. Well, we have a podcast discussion club in which we use our own podcasts. We have 100, almost 120 of them now. And 
the um, and then it's a deep dive into how the women, you know, so if we were listening to you, for instance, Mary, there would be a lot of fodder for discussion, right? Because we could be talking about your art of aging group and how your career was enhanced as you moved on to later years by continuing an intimate discussion with people. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, um, you know. Very nice summary, Gail. Very nice summary. (laughs) Then, then people bring their own their own points of view, and we, you know, it, it does create a terrific discussion. But I love the idea of using TED Talks. I think that's that's. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. So you know now, right? You're you're yes. doing of aging group. You're seventy six. You enjoy entertaining and travel and book clubs and all. What, what does it do for you, and how are you thinking about your own aging? Well, what those activities do for me is they keep my brain alive, and they keep me stimulated, and they keep me curious, um, and they keep me moving. So if I didn't have these interests, uh, I don't know, I probably would just plop myself in front of the television and watch the daytime TV shows. <laughs> I just don't think it would be as rich, uh, a rich as experience as I'm having. Um, I know that my parents, as they age, they they pretty much, you know, they sat in front of the TV, they socialized, but they did a lot of television. And I looked at that as uh, not the role model that I wanted to pursue. I wanted to have a more active life as I got older. And I do think that our generation our generation is very different than my parents' generation. In, in what ways do you see that? Um, I just think, first of all, we are far more conscious about health, exercise, diet, and all the things that keep you vital and young. Um, and uh, we're just, we're far more active. And of course, my parents lived in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and I live in a, you know, I've lived in metropolitan areas, and I'm sure that makes a difference as well. But, um, you know, I, I, I really, I, I really am enjoying my life at this stage, and I, I never feel elderly, although I know I am, and I know I'm old, but I don't, I don't feel or think that way. And, um, you know, the, these, these groups of people, um, are really helpful and they don't necessarily support, but it's like there's camaraderie in the aging process by having the art of aging club. I I really, that's a big piece of what I appreciate, but I do, um, I do like entertaining. As I mentioned, I have a large balcony that looks over all the monuments in Washington, DC. I'm really fortunate. Um, In fact, today I've got my flag out there and I'm, looking out as I'm speaking to you, but I, um, I, I think as I get older, I'm enjoying more intimate entertaining as well. Um, I like to have people for dinner, four or five people max, <laughs> and uh, I'm less inclined to go to big parties or to go to very noisy restaurants. Now I'm really sounding like an elder, but uh, you know, this past year, of COVID and not being out has taught me that you can really, you can, you can have really rich experiences at home. You don't have to, you don't have to travel and you really don't have to be out and about all the time. So 
Um, I did a lot of exotic travel in the past. As a matter of fact, Nancy and I used to travel once a year together. The biggest trip we took was one month in Asia. We went to Bali, Thailand, Hong Kong, uh, Cambodia, Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We spent a month in Asia and it was fabulous. It was a fabulous experience, but I, I'm glad I did that when I was younger. I don't know that I'd want to spend a month in Asia with one person traveling at this time, but I'm looking to 2022 probably to start international travel again. I, um, I really want to see my family and friends that are here in the United States that I haven't seen for well over a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you understand. If you'll, I mean, Gail, you're out in San Diego. That's I don't know right. how many times you've been there in the past year, but probably not. The first time since March of 2020. Oh, goodness. It's amazing, isn't it? When I was here last, I had to make a decision. Do I try and go home? Or do I just stay here not knowing how long it would, you know, I'd have to because COVID was just breaking all over. Yeah, it was. Because my daughter's birthday is March 13th. And that's the day that she left the city. They have a place out on Shelter Island. And they moved, the whole family moved out there. And I moved in with my son, who lives in DC, because I'm in a high rise condo and my son was saying mom it's like a petri dish there are so many people there you're gonna get sick and so I stayed with him for like three months and came back and uh and actually isolated myself and was pretty care very not pretty careful very careful and I still got COVID I got it in January happy new year Mary (laughs) you have COVID When the health department called me to tell me that I tested positive, I was incredulous. I'm like, no. So I called my brother and I said, John, I have COVID. He goes, no, <laughs> nobody could believe it. I was just so careful. But anyway, it was a mild case and uh, I'm grateful for that, that I, that I didn't have to go on a respirator or, you know, be hospitalized. Yes. Good. I'm glad you. Glad you were fine. So I, Mary, I'd, uh, Gail, do you mind? I'd like to just go back a moment, um, Mary, because you talked about early in your career, you talked yourself into several positions and you had some serendipity that, uh, that enabled you to move into another position. And I'm curious, do you think, is that happening for women today, for younger women today? Um, well, my daughter, I wouldn't call her a younger woman because she's 54, but my younger daughter pretty much operated the way I did in terms of, I don't know, I've never been a very aggressive person. I've always been a rather cautious person. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm what's called an intimate extrovert on the Myers-Briggs, um, which means, you know, just what I don't, I don't do well, but I, the fact that I, you know, as I was reflecting back to prepare for today, I was thinking, gosh, I did a lot of risk taking. Mm-hmm. And I really just put myself out there. And it worked. Um, so today, I think, well, Baker Tilly was the last actual organization that I worked for. And they do a fabulous job with women. They have programs to support and develop and promote women and 
they've been very successful with it. Um, and so I was a part of that. So I can't tell you about today with other companies, but I can tell you that in professional services and in, in, um, in with Baker Tilly, which is a Chicago firm, um, that uh, they are they work very hard to accommodate women and uh, develop women and give them mentors and advocates and you know they they do they do it right they do it right so um, I don't know if that's true of other professional services firms but I think like law firms law firms well professional services law firms accounting firms consulting firms and architectural firms I think that's it and they those areas tend to treat women pretty much the same as they as they treat men Mm. And do you think these women go on to be on in higher executive positions or make partner in these firms? Well, yeah. I mean, there were there were a number of women that I worked with that, as I mentioned, the one who was part time and wanted to be a partner but didn't know how she'd be able to accommodate it. You know, partners have it's heavy duty work. It just made me tired watching it because. They have to develop new contacts, develop new business, please the partnership, hire and develop their people, and then do the work. I mean, it's it's a very it's very stressful to mm -hmm. be a partner in a professional services firm, mm -hmm. and you're constantly you're you know you're constantly monitored in terms of hours that you're spending, the dollars that you're bringing in. It's, it's high stress. It's a high stress situation. So particularly women who wanted to do it part time, um, for them, they had to have really strong mentors and advocates that would help them and support them. Mm -hmm. And they were able to find them. I have one more question for you. And that is, uh, tell us about these multiple book clubs that you belong to. Oh, <laughs> well, the one that I love is the one that I created about maybe 14 years ago. It's called BYOB, Bring Your Own Book. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine and I had dinner and she said, I've always wanted to be in a book club. And I said, I have two. And she said, but I don't want to read other people's books. And I said, I don't either. <laughs> so we decided that we would start a club called BYOB, Bring Your Own Book. And in fact, um, Tomorrow night, we're having our monthly meeting. And of course, we're still doing Zoom. But um, it's been a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to really get to know people um, in the building. I used to host it here in my, in my unit. Uh, of course, now with COVID, we're all on Zoom. But um, it gives you the opportunity to hear about other people's experiences with books. And it has, it's introduced me to books that I never would have read. Never would have read. It's a great but, Pardon? Yeah. Concept. Yeah, it is. It is a fun concept. And then the other one is a, a, the book club for the Prospect House, which is the building that I live in. And um, it's pretty erudite. I don't know how long I'm going to stay with it. I mean, we've read cast. Mm -hmm. I mean, the last year we've read just like everything is like four or 500 pages and it's all nonfiction. And uh, it's hard to keep up with it, you know. So I don't know. I don't know how long I'm going to survive it. But it, it too, is it's great discussion. It's great discussion. Catherine, did you have anything else for Mary? Uh, no, I don't at this point. I really appreciate everything, Mary. 
Well, thank you very much. I appreciate having the opportunity to be on your podcast. And uh, I don't know how I can, if you have any suggestions to me in terms of how I can get the message out to get this guide to people, um, let me know. We'll talk about it. Absolutely. Yes, we will. Once well, again, it's Art of Aging 70 at Gmail. Okay. Final, right. final plug. Final plug. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, listeners, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Become an active participant in our community through our Facebook group. And no matter your age, participate in our monthly Zoom gatherings. You'll find everything you need to know about our Women Over 70 community on womenover70.com. We'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myths that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.